habits are who we are, and we get to choose every day who that is. What's remarkable about these women is that their habits are changing the world. Hi, and welcome to Habits, the Good, the Bad, and the Holy. I'm Molly, and I'm sitting down every week with adorers of the Blood of Christ religious sisters to hear their stories and learn how habits have become more than a symbol for their vocation. They become the means to which they change lives. Welcome back. Today we're sitting down and talking with Sister Elizabeth Colmer. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sitting down with us. You can just say hi. Hi. Hello, everybody. (laughs) That's the only awkward part, I promise. So, my first question that I usually ask people is how they found their way to the Adores. Well, I've... Uh, the sisters from from this community taught me in grade school. Okay. And uh, I, I, I lived just about 20 miles up the road from here, and uh, that's how I knew them. I have, a, have an aunt that's uh, in another order, but she's, she's a, she was a missionary, so I hardly knew her. In any case, I uh, I knew the sisters from them from being taught by them, but I never really thought about entering the order until about eighth grade. Okay. And uh, then one of the sisters started talking about it in school, and I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. And that I had an opportunity to go to high school here at at, at, at Ruba, so I took it uh, took it. Uh, Advantage. Advantage. Of, I took advantage of the opportunity and came here in, in 1945. I came. Wow. In, uh, for, for, for as a freshman in high school. So, uh, and I, I, I always say, somehow or other, I didn't particularly like the sisters that I had. <laughs> Any of them. One of them I thought was kind of nice, but... The rest of them, I thought I, I, I didn't really like any of them, but um, I had I could separate the life that they lived from the personalities. From who they were. Yeah, so uh, it was kind of interesting that I could do that, and uh, but then I you know I, I thought about it then then I then I thought oh no I don't think I'll do that, and then I, it never went away. It was always like. Do you really want to do this? And then I think, no, I don't really want to do this. So you went back and forth a lot. Oh, I did, and I prayed to Mary. Yes. And uh, and so I finally decided to do it, but uh, I had already told my parents that I was going to do it. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it. Well, I guess if I already told everyone, I should do it. Yeah. Um, did you come from a small family or a big family? Well, we were, I always say I'm the last of the first five. Okay. The first five of us were very close together. Uh, there were five of us basically in five years. Wow. Or six years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then I had a, I had two, two brothers after that. Mm-hmm. They were born in the 30s. One of them, was, one of them died at, at birth, mm-hmm. and the other one died when he was six months old. Okay. And uh, that, that he was born in 1937. Okay. And uh, then I had a younger brother after that, who's now 74 or something like that, and uh, he's still living. Okay. He, he made he, he, he 
So you grew up with him? No, I didn't really. He grew up by himself almost. Oh, okay, because all of y'all had left home. By the time, yes, by the time, by the time we left home, that's when he was born. Wow. So he was he was six months old when I when I decided to go to the convent. Yeah. So you took your first vows in 1949. Yes. Uh-huh. When you were a senior in college or a freshman in college. Yeah. Well, we would, we had still had some high school to finish. Okay, still had some high school to finish, and you went. Where'd you go for college? St. Louis U. St. Louis University. Well, we had, as a matter of fact, we could take some courses out here, and, and they were recognized by the by St. Louis U. Okay. But uh, ultimately, I went and finished at St. Louis U. But what I really did was I went out and started teaching. I know. So you went to SLU for your degree and then became a teacher. Where did you teach? I, t- I taught in East St. Louis. Okay. And uh, for five years. But uh, but the uh, I started teaching before I finished college. Okay, so you were teaching while you were still getting your degree. Well, and I was getting, I was, I was teaching. We always said we took the slow method. <laughs> we had uh, summer school. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I took Saturday school too. Oh wow! And by the, in nine years after nine years of teaching grade school, I had about sixty credits. I only had about half of them. That's why I say it's a slow. Yeah, it was definitely a slow track. A slow track, yeah. So anyway, uh, but then I finished. Then I finished my, all my graduate degrees. All your graduate degrees? Yeah, my master's and my PhD. So you have a a master's and a PhD. And what are your master's and PhD in? They're both in history. They are. And we're going to come back to that because you did something really spectacular with that history degree. Well, I uh, actually, I did history, but uh, I've always worked with the American Studies Department. Yes, you did. Um, Did you... When were you a professor in Spain? Because you went to go teach in Spain. Yes, that was in spring of 1984. So you had been a teacher for a long time, and then you became a professor and went and started teaching at SLU? Well, I was uh, I taught nine years of grade school mm-hmm. from 1950 to 1959. Okay. Or 1960, something like yes. that. Yes. And then I did 60. This... I did finish my my bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. and then I got a, a a grant from the Ford Foundation to do my master's. Okay. And uh, they were looking for teachers. Yeah. And uh, and then I, when I finished that, I I went right on to my PhD. Your PhD. And uh, so then then after PhD, I got my PhD. I did part time teaching at SLU, mm-hmm. and, and we still were teaching here at uh, at Ruma. So I taught a course here each each semester. Mm-hmm. And then the person that was my mentor for my PhD left the university. And so I, I, I was asked to, to take his place. And that was as director of the American Studies. And you were asked to be the head of the American Studies Department, essentially to get rid of it. Well, essentially, yes. And what did you do instead? Well, I... I, I was just, I was the only person involved in it, so 
I, well, I talked to the students, and there were not very many of them because mm-hmm. it was, it was a kind of almost defunct. So then I, I, I didn't do much of anything. They just, I just, I, the, I decided the first, the first year I would just learn how to be a chair. So I just did everything that came across my desk and sent back to the administration what they wanted and all that. All that goes into it. Went to the meetings and all of that. And then the next year, I had three very good applications. And uh, these are three young men, and they were they were a delight. They were really really good to teach, and they they're the ones who advertised the program. I think you're selling yourself short because it's really because of you that the American Studies Department at SLU still exists. I think that's right. Yeah, so I think you're selling yourself short a little bit. You, like I said, were came in to kill the department. You came in to get rid of it, and instead. You brought in new students, advertised the department, and made it incredibly successful. It is. It has been successful. How did you do that? How did you go from being asked to get rid of something to making it you know, what it is today? I've thought about that a lot of times, but I think one of the reasons is I talked to students mm. and listened to them. And when they came in to inquire about the program... I spent time with them. I'd spend an hour with them. And some people said, why do do you spend that much time? Just tell them or give them the literature. And I, but I I couldn't do that. I talked to them about if they were, especially if they were working, what this, how this would affect them, how going to school and working Mm -hmm. and their family life and what, how to put all, how to put all fit together for them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's, in fact, the uh, some of the students who came in told me that one of them, one of them couldn't decide if she wanted to do, do history or American studies. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, you you do what's best for you, and uh, what do you think you you really want to do in the future?" And uh, so I said, "Go talk to the history people, and come back here when you have a decision." So a couple of weeks later, she came back, and I said, oh, so you decided to do this instead of history. And she said, yeah, there was nobody there to talk to. Oh. So you really, you sat down and you listened to what they wanted and listened to what they needed Mm -hmm. and built a department that worked for them. I think that's right, yeah. For for American studies, that's that's not hard to do because... um, it's it, it's interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. and you you use use whatever fits your right. what you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah. How long did you chair that department? Nineteen years. Nineteen years. Well, in two two sessions. Okay. What was in between? I was a faculty member. So and you taught obviously American studies. I taught American studies, and I also taught taught a. Uh, introductory course of history. Okay. Survey in history. And then you went to go teach in Spain. Yes, the Santos U has a center in Spain. In Madrid. In Madrid, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went over there and I did some advising for students who wanted to come from Spain to Santos U. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I taught a course in uh, history. How long were you there? A semester from. January. Oh, only one semester. January to May. They they okay. really wanted me to come back, but 
I really hesitated to come back because my parents are really old. Oh, okay. And, uh, you wanted to be closer. Pardon me. You wanted to be closer to home. Uh, yeah, and, and I wanted to be there to to take, help take care of them. Yeah. So. Uh, so, what did you do after you left the chair position at SLU? Well, I I taught a couple of courses as a regular faculty member. So you kept teaching. Oh yeah, I kept on teaching. And uh, forty years worth. See. There's something about sisters. Y'all are like Energizer bunnies. You just keep going. <laughs> it never ends. Well, in fact, I retired in 2004, and I, I, I went, to, went to the church and worked at the outreach program. So you've never stopped working. Teaching's in your blood. You can't help but do it. Well, I came here in uh, 2000, 2015, mm-hmm. and... Uh, basically stopped you've retired yeah retired then yes and how old are you i'm 87 but and i'll be 88 in december so you know it makes sense that you would start retiring at when did though 85 yes you know most people retire a little earlier than that i know you just wanted to keep going i i, I did taught it i was ahead of university position until 2004, and I, mm. was, and I was 70, I forget, I was 70, 72 or 4, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I knew it was time to quit. Right. You know, you, you kind of, I remember one of our faculty who it was in philosophy, mm-hmm. and he said a lot of the philosophers were, were retiring at the time he came in. He said, I, I used to wonder, how do you know when it's time to retire? And then he said, you know. <laughs> You'd know. You know, and, and yeah, I, had, I experienced that myself, that I uh, I knew it was time to stop. You just felt it. Yeah. You kind of lose your spark. Yeah. So you have another passion outside of teaching. You work um, with Africa Faith and Justice. I did, yes. Can you talk about that? I was on the board, it's a national board uh, out of Washington, D.C., National Africa Faith and Justice Network. Yes. And uh, I was on the board there because we had people in Africa, so we were invited to have a person on the the board. So for the listeners who don't know the history of the Adorers, can you explain why the Adorers have such a personal relationship with Africa? Uh, In 1971... uh, Actually, there was a, a priest came around here and begged and begged the, the provincial here to send some sisters to Africa, mm-hmm. to Liberia. Right. And uh, ultimately, that's what she did. That she, I think she, she was pretty reluctant first, but then she asked the sisters if anybody was interested, and a whole bunch of them were. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's, we sent two people over there, and then the third one came pretty quickly. Barbara was pretty much at the beginning. Right. So uh, they, we were over there from 1971 to 1992, and uh, in 92 we had five sisters left, and they were they were killed in the there was a civil war going on, and they were killed during that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and, and one of them was my sister, and one of them was my cousin. So uh, 
I have something of a personal interest in that as well as a community interest. Definitely. So when the Africa Faith and Justice Network asked the adorers um, if they wanted someone on their board, were you hesitant at all or were you really interested in being a part of this? I was, I never hesitated at all. You know, I don't, if people ask me to give a talk about these sisters, I never turn it down. Yeah. Because it's my, it's an opportunity. And I just, I think I, I just owe it to them, yeah. in a way, to make them known. So, uh, no, I, I, I it, go, being on the board was a little difficult sometimes because I had to travel to Washington, D.C. Mm. And it was a little more more able now than I am now. Right. So travel wasn't quite as hard, but it got harder and harder to do because I was yeah. on, on the board as long as I could be. I think it was nine years. And what work does the Africa Faith and Justice Network do? It tries to, it, it try to make this affect legislation about Africa. And uh, there, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real struggle because for one thing, it's a not-for-profit and it's mm-hmm. always short of money. Yes. Yeah. Everything we do is short of money. Right. And uh, so, so we had a, we had to get a good director and we finally did get a, a, a I think it was a Dominican from, let's see, I think he was Nigeria probably. Okay. And uh, and he, I think he's still the director now, but uh, uh, they, they tried to affect the legislation on the Hill, but also to affect some some push from Africa right. to, to change things. So, uh, and what kind of things were they hoping to change? Uh, crop, not uh, uh, GMOs. Okay. And uh, that sort of thing, that kind of thing. And uh, I hardly remember to tell you the truth. Uh, that uh, that's all I. Yeah. That's the most recent thing that they were doing. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, so you found that very fulfilling to get to work so closely with Africa Faith and Justice Network. I did. I did find it fulfilling. Yeah. But then, then I also worked with a, a group from St. Louis, mm-hmm. the uh, partners. Let's see. Partners in Africa with Africa. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the exact title. But we'll figure it out. They, they uh, actually have, a, they work over in Kenya, mm-hmm. mostly Kenya, uh, and, and other, uh, Eastern Africa mostly, mm-hmm. and uh, they raise money for it, and they have a bank over there so that people can borrow money, mm-hmm. and they've been quite successful. Yeah. So, uh, so very recently we started sending sisters back to Liberia to work on missions. So yes. we are once again in Liberia. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on on rebuilding that? Oh, I life? think it's great to, to work on rebuilding that. Yeah. As long as we have people who are interested in doing it. Yeah. Which uh, we have. So Definitely. Trace Wedewit is now back. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and Zita from mm-hmm. from Sean from Liechtenstein. Yeah. So uh, that's the, I'm, I'm very happy that they wanted to do that. 
the older you get, the harder it is to do that. Yeah. Especially they're out in the bush. <laughs> they are. They're definitely in rural areas. They are definitely in the rural areas. So you've done a lot. You've done activism, um, social justice work. You were a teacher, a professor, a department chair. You fully built essentially the American Studies program from the ground up at SLU. What's been the What's been the best part? What's been the most fun? I, you know, I always say working at the university was really, really a great job. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And uh, I had a few, few uh, shall I say, run-ins with the administration. Yeah. <laughs> but then for 40 years, you know, three times is not so bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a good track record. I had a, I had a policy that you don't, you don't complain about anything on a regular basis. You wait until you have a, something that's really important. But uh, if you if you complain every day or every week, nobody listens to you. Mm. And uh, so you, you just kind of do whatever you need to do. And uh, and then when and you, complain when, you, when it matters. When you, when it matters, then then you go in, and uh, then people will listen to you. Yeah. So, and then if they don't listen to you, then you have a few, then, then, then my fuse would get really short. <laughs> really short. Make them change. Yes, that's right. Or, in your case, just do the change yourself and hope that they kind of come along for the ride. Well, that's right, but sometimes you needed the administration <laughs> to, to do something with you, you know, if you were... If you yeah. Were. Anyway, so it... Yeah, it worked. So what's next? What else do you want to have on your agenda? Well, let's see. I do, I'm living here at the retirement center. Mm-hmm. And I, I do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. There's there's a lot of work goes on here. And uh, we're, we're all at different levels of, of, of ability. Mm-hmm. Here I am with my walker. I can, and I can do do whatever whatever that allows me to do yes one thing I do is um, I do exercise every every day every day every day five times a week about and uh, for about a half hour wow and this, this week has been a disaster but <laughs> but uh, but I guess you have some weeks like that good weeks and bad weeks and anyway uh, but one of those days one of those uh, exercise days we have a dance class a dance class. And, uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's fun. It's basically it's like line dancing. That's super fun. And uh, but I have to dance with my walker. It's okay. You've got, you got a built-in partner. I have. Yeah. Sometimes it gets in the way, though. So do men. And uh, anyway, so anyway, that that's a. Uh, I uh, basically I want to be sure that I'm uh, as well as I can be. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I don't have to take care of myself <laughs> completely. This, we have a very good staff here. Mm-hmm. They take very good care of us, mm-hmm. so uh, I can't complain. And I've, I've had I've had DBS surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got the welts on top of my head to show to prove it. So you've got the scars to show you live. That's right, and. Uh, and, and that's made a difference, I think. 
Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm going to live to be 100. Well, we do have a couple sisters who are past their 100 mark. I, y'all are remarkable when it comes to age. I think that's right. We talk in normal people years and in nun years. Because <laughs> they're completely different. <laughs> So there's one question we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Uh, Obviously, habits is the namesake of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So what is your best habit? My best habit in terms of terms of service. Oh, whatever you want. Some people say um, talking to their sister every day. Some people say exercise. Some people say not saying every thought that comes to their mind. Uh, it can be something really little. You know, when it comes to a, it, when I was working, mm-hmm. I think my best habit is that when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I don't do it for three times and then say, well, I can't do it anymore. I, I just stick with it. So uh, Your word is good. I, it, it, sometimes it's almost like I don't know when to quit. <laughs> So what is your worst habit? My worst habit? Hmm. I have to really think about that. Um, Take your time. Worst habit. Worst habit. I really don't know that. Maybe all my habits are bad. I don't think so. Uh, Edwina said it was drinking a Coke every day. Um, Tarsicia said procrastination. Um, Some people say checking their email after they leave work or biting their nails. Well, you know, my worst habit, I think, is hanging up my clothes. You don't do it? Well, I, I first, I, sometimes I just lay it down on the chair yeah. for a day, and then I hang it up. I ultimately hang it up, but I... But sometimes not immediately. But not immediately, that's right. And close, closing the closet doors. Mm. So, uh, but I've kind of learned to do that because I lived with somebody who would mention it to me that the door was open. <laughs> you lived with a nag. <laughs> What's that? You lived with someone who nagged you. Well, she wasn't exactly nagging, but it was almost that. Close. Yeah, close, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sitting down. I really loved talking with you and hearing about your passions for SLU and African Faith and Justice. It's been so lovely to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and behind the scenes, check out our website, adorers.org. Habits is brought to you by the Adorers of the Blood of Christ, U.S. Region. Co-produced by Cheryl Wittenauer, Lori Benj, and Molly McKinstry. Edited by Molly McKinstry. Thanks. We'll see you all next week.